<laughs> Looks like it's oh now we're live. <laughs> oh, okay, yeah, shows it. We've been live. Okay, good. All right. Awesome. Welcome everybody tonight. We are talking about is starting a business worth it? <laughs> yes. And I'm excited about this one because I think a lot of people ask that question, especially once you get into it. It's just like is this really worth it? Uh, we, and we talked about this a couple episodes ago. When you do all of the things, when you start looking at it and you realize that business, um, whether you're working for someone else, and especially at the beginning when you're working for yourself, there's it's work. It, it's, it's not play. I'm, I'm hoping that you're enjoying it, but it is work to build and create a business. And so it makes sense that you ask, is it worth it? Because you're spending so much time. I know I question that with pretty much everything um, because time is the only thing I can't get back, right? So I look at this and I question every action that I take. And I'm, I'm starting, as I get, you know, as I'm getting older, I'm starting to be more intentional about everything. And so I do look at these and say, these, these types of situations and say, okay, is this worth it for me? So that I'm not surprised that this is one of the you know top searched questions that business owners have. Right, and it was 24 million Americans who were thinking about taking a plunge. Right, so cl clearly people are thinking about it. But it's interesting because when I was doing my research, I was thinking to myself, okay, I've been entrepreneur, self-employed mostly for 20 years now, almost 21 years. Can I imagine working a nine to five? No. So it was kind of hard for me to say, gosh, is it worth it? I mean, I, I would say, heck yeah, it has to be because here I still am, <laughs> right? I didn't stop. And, and I think that's for a variety of reasons of what I wanted to accomplish. It definitely has not been easy. That is for sure. Um, but it's, it's something that I'm not going to stop doing. So I guess for me, it's definitely been worth it. Yeah, and for me too, it was, um, if for nothing else, the, the lessons that I've learned and then being able, well, now in this position, being able to help others because I've, I've walked through those steps. I can tell you that it was worth it for me, but it was, it was hard work. Um, it was long nights. It was, you know, a lot of decisions. It was looking for support. It was, you know, tears. <laughs> it was you know, in the commissary kitchen all by myself for hours and hours on end, but I knew what I was doing it for. I knew what was gonna happen when people would walk up and they'd wanna buy something. I knew everything, you know, it was, it was, but there were nights that it was just like, okay, this is a lot of work. I hope I sell stuff, right? <laughs> and yeah, I always did. So it was just like, yeah, this is worth it. Yeah. yeah. Definitely. Yeah, I mean, obviously, I think so, too. I've been doing it for 20 years now. But, um, you know, again, just going back and, and you and I had talked about this before when I started in on my, you know, uh, trajectory of being an entrepreneur, it was that, you know, making six figures was the big deal. Everyone wanted to hit one hundred thousand dollars a year. And I knew in my job, I could never do that. And I knew, I thought to myself, well, they're saying statistically I had a 95% chance in 10 years of making six figures. And I knew I had a 0% chance in my job. So I thought, you know what, I'm going to go for it. Even if it takes me 11, 12, 13 years, but that other 5%, you know, what's two, three more years, I have to be able to knock it out. Right. And so that was a big motivator for me in the beginning, because I wanted freedom of time and being a single parent, I needed to, you know, be able to provide income. 
See, and that's interesting that you would say that because a lot of people, and I know I, I was brought up with the mindset of you go to college, you get a job, you know, that's how you're going to make that kind of money. And so there's a lot of fear in the unknown, in the entrepreneurship that when I said, oh, okay, I'm going to open a business, I'm going to do this fried chicken stand. There's a lot of people in my family that could not understand why I walked away from a good paying job to do something that was not guaranteed. And so it, it's crazy to think about how, you know, for you, you were just like, hey, I, I'm weighing all of this. I'm not going to be able to make as much. I'd rather take my chances on my own than to, um, you know, sit here and work for years and years and years and never attain any of my goals. Mm -hmm. And I was on the other side of that where it was like, okay, in order to make this kind of make any kind of money, you need to follow this particular path and that you shy away from those like risks you know, the risks that, that come with owning a business. So you were a very well-behaved child. I was. I really was. No surprised by me. <laughs> I, I um, got straight A's or you know, made a B. It was just like, oh, man, you know, I was harder on myself. But, but yeah, it was, I, I wanted to accomplish things that way. There was a path. They told me. If you do this, if you study, if you do all of these things, you get these rewards. And so it was like, oh, okay, this is the path that I must follow. And it, I don't even know. I mean, it's a God thing that, that I started a business as it was. I was never one. I, I mean, I guess I'd always had like side hustles. Um, I knew how to make money in that respect, but I, I was following that path that was laid out for me. And then it was like, okay, you know, I, someone hyped me up and they were like, Hey, you should sell this chicken. I'm like, really? And enough people said it. And I was like, maybe I should sell this chicken. So it was, it was interesting. That was the, but I was like in my thirties at the time that, that, that started. So it was, it was a long time coming for me. Yeah. yeah. Good for you. Yeah. Good for you. So, um, do we go into BYBS first or Bob? We're going to bring Bob in first. So okay. Tell us about Bob. Yes. So I'm very excited that we have Bob here. <laughs> what about Bob? We have Bob here, Bob Donnell. I'm so excited that he's here tonight. He is the founder of Everything Next Level. He has had that company over 30 years now. Um, he and I were able to meet through a mutual uh, friend. One of the things that I really appreciate about Bob is he really has a heart to serve and make a difference. He started his first nonprofit when he was 18 years old. Um, and I mean, you can just see that. And he's he's that guy, that emotional connector guy. You're going to probably see some of that uh, tonight for him. But uh, the other thing, too, is he's a master of human behavior. You know, I love that stuff. So I love hearing to him stock talk. I find him very, very intriguing. So please help me welcome Bob Donnell to the screen tonight. We're going to talk about starting a business worth it. If anyone knows it, it's him. <laughs> Ladies, thank you, thank you, thank you. <laughs> thank you. We're so excited to have you. Yeah, I'm excited to be here. appreciate the opportunity. Yes, pick your brain a little bit. We did have, um, we had someone write into the show. To They're starting a photography business. And we're going to go ahead and get started with that. And then we'll start the conversation. Awesome. Carlton. Carlton. <laughs> Sometimes I feel like we lose him. <laughs> yeah. 
I don't know what he's doing back there. <laughs> I'll just read. Yeah, I'll just read it. So, dear Betty, your business show. I put my heart and soul into building my own photography business for almost five years. People like the work I do, but I don't make enough to make ends meet, so it's more like a side hustle than a business. I've invested a lot of time improving my skills, building my portfolio, and making connections in the industry. But truth be told, the financial stability I've been dreaming of feels elusive. Now that I'm approaching the five-year mark in my photography business, I'm wondering if there's a turning point when all the hard work starts paying off. Does it ever get easier? When can I expect to start making a steady income? Love your show. Shutter Pro Shelly. <laughs> Thank you, Shelly. <laughs> what do you think, Bob? You know, I, I love the question um, because it has a lot of innuendos in there, but it also has a lot of caveats where it can go awry, right? <laughs> I mean, you can say, yes, it's worth it. Um, or yes, you can. And yes, it will. But there's a lot of variables in there. Yeah. The only one thing that I know that can, that can be the equalizer in there is you. And um, so it depends on, I always think... Uh, if, if I want something to be a certain way, I need to be very descriptive on what I want. So is business worth it? Yes. If you lay out the business the way you want to live. So I have, a, I have a model in 2007. I spoke about 122 times and I said, I don't want to travel that much and speak 122 times next year. So I said, I'm going to reverse engineer everything. How do I want to live my life? And then I'll build a business around my life. And that was the that was the magic that was the turning point for me so i would say one how do you do you know how you want to live your life like every detail what you will do what you won't do the non-negotiables the criteria for it and i can talk about that later but really getting clear on that then saying i'm going to build my life around that i'm going to build my business around that versus i'm going to build my life around the business yes i love that so much Bob. i think that for me even though i said it for many many years um, I just wasn't congruent in what I said what I wanted my life to look like versus the life I was living. Like I started my business so I could have freedom of time, freedom of time, but I worked 80, 90 hours a week, right? So for years, so I was not congruent in that area. And so I love that so much because really it gets us clear on what our value systems are, what do we want? And then we're able to create our life that way where I, to my, in my mind, I was thinking if I just keep chasing paper, eventually I'm going to have freedom. I was never going to stop chasing paper. That was right. That was always going to be the cycle that I was on. Right. So. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. I think one thing that I'd like to say to Shelly is congratulations on making it almost five years. You know, you're yeah. not where you want to be huge, but a lot of businesses don't make it that far. You know, you're pouring yourself into you're investing in your business. And I think if you keep at it, and really it is getting someone, a coach or getting someone alongside of you that um, has skills and strengths where you don't, because yeah. there are some things that are missing. If you've made it five years and you're still feeling like it's a side hustle, mm -hmm. then you need someone to help you structure your business. You know, whether, and, and I love the idea, Bob, that you, you had about structure it around your life. This is something that you're passionate about. Photography is not, I cannot, you don't want me taking your photo <laughs> at all, ever. <laughs> so if this is a skill that you have and people love what you do, you need to bring someone in that has the business mindset that understands mm -hmm. how to take this out uh, to, to another level, right? right. Um, yeah. How to structure this business. I wish Masha were on here 
because that's what she she'd done for so much of her life. She was a, a, an amazing photographer, built a business around it. And so it's finding someone who can help you build that business around your passion. Mm -hmm. What percentage of people that come to you, Bob, is that the situation? I think probably, probably 70%. Here's why they built the business because of all the reasons you mentioned, Natalie. And then, but they didn't calculate what that was going to be, like, what it was going to look like, feel like, taste like. Then they get a taste of it and they feel it. And they're like, oh my gosh, I'm going to be doing this forever. I don't, this is not how I want to live my life. And so what ends up happening is they get frustrated, overwhelmed. And it goes to a pillar that I teach, which is um, um, unfulfilled expectations lead to anger, bitterness, resentment, frustration, and overwhelm. Unfulfilled expectations lead to anger, bitterness, resentment, frustration, and overwhelm. If you're ever feeling that, there's two things I would say to, to this lady. One is if you're feeling any of those missions, it's because all you have to do is ask yourself, what was I expecting it to be like that didn't happen? then you can say, okay, now I need to fix that. And that will help change my expectation or change the outcome. The second part of that is if she was making $25,000 a month going into her bank account every month, would she still feel like this is a side hustle and it's not working? No. So she's not really upset with the job or really upset with the business. What she's upset with is the results. Change the results, your feelings and emotions about that change as well. Valid. And I love what you said um, about the unfulfilled expectations, because a lot of people will come into starting a business expecting that it's just going to blow up. I know I did the same thing. It was I was so excited when I first started. It was just like, OK, everyone has told me they've co-signed this. They, they love what I'm doing here. This is going to be amazing. I'm going to get there. I'm going to sell out. And we hardly sold anything for the first few weeks. It was so disheartening. And I've run into this with a lot of the clients that I work with. You have these expectations that your business, because you can see in some respects, you can see how great this could be, but you're not taking the steps to make sure that that's what actually happens. Amen. And it took a lot of um, going back to the table and saying, okay, we tried this, this didn't work. You know, Even down to what samples we were giving we were spending so much more money producing something that people did not care for mm -hmm. in the long run. And then we talked about it and it was just like, okay, let's change this up instead of doing the breast pieces, which dry out, let's do the wing pieces, which by the way, are cheaper by the pound mm -hmm. and people could get a taste for it. They, they lasted longer and we started cooking the breast pieces to order. So they maintained their juiciness and, you know, the flavor was there. It was a total different thing, but it required us to do that. And without fail, as soon as we made that change, about three weeks later, you know, as soon as we made that change, people were coming back. But it was my expectations were so different because I was like, okay, everyone loves it. And I did, I could not understand it. I could not understand why they were standing in line for a burrito when it's just like, no, no, this is great here. I've got something really good for you. Mm -hmm. And the other piece of that for us was we also had to look at the audience. We had to look at the market. This was a Tuesday evening thing in the summer. Kids were out of school and there was a corn dog guy. <laughs> Made me crazy because he kept coming back every week asking if we had corn dogs. And it was about three weeks into it. 
I don't know why that was the magic thing where I started, you know, stepping outside of ego and saying, oh, okay, let me listen to other people. But I remember going home to my husband and I was like, hey, Bob, that corn dog guy was there again. And I know I was not gracious about it at all. And he was just like, maybe that's God's way of saying you need to make corn dogs. We sold out within an hour and a half, I think it was. We went back the next week and sold out because that's what the market wanted. There were a whole bunch of kids there. Kids like corn dogs. And I hadn't even thought about it because in my head, I expected to sell fried chicken. I expected that they were going to automatically want the product that I had. And that wasn't the case until I could get them there. And then it's like, hey, by the way, try this chicken, parent. And they're like, oh, I'll have some of that. So it was it was a total different thing. But. Yeah, that mindset of, you know, the un unrealized expectations, um, they'll get you every time. Every time. Yeah. Every time. So, Bob, you started your first nonprofit at 18 years old. Was, was that your first business you'd ever started at 18 or had you started some prior? That was probably my first legitimate business. I mean, I had done, you know, a lot of things as a kid, but really that was my first legitimate business. It, and uh, it was uh, a... It was, it was, an experience. Let's just put it that way. It was an experience. It was a great experience, great education. Uh, but it, it came about kind of as a fluke. Um, my mom was diagnosed with cancer when I was 15. She was going to, she was given six months to live. And uh, a gentleman came up to me that knew my situation, knew what, you know, was going on with my mom. I don't remember this guy. I don't remember his name. I don't remember how he knew my mom. I don't remember anything about him, but he walked up to me one day and he says, Hey Bob, what do you want to be when you grow up? And I, kind of looked at him and I, I was probably perplexed because I was like, I said, I don't know, but why, why would you ask a 15 year old what he wants to be when he grows up? And he goes, well, because you can learn a product, a service or an industry, or you can learn one thing that drives every product, service or industry. And I said, well, what's that? And he goes, human behavior. If you understand why people will or won't do something, you'll be successful no matter what you do, any product, any service or any, any industry. And I said, ah, sign me up kind of facetiously. Well, he took me over my word and he says, well, I want you to go back to school when school starts again. And I want you to become a peer counselor and you're going to learn some things there that are going to be really helpful for you. It's okay. So I went to became a peer counselor. And then um, a, a few years later, I was working with a kid and, and his dad uh, happened to be an attorney, his stepdad. And he, uh, his stepdad called me up one day and says, Hey, could you come by the office? And I'm thinking, what did I do wrong? Why am I being summoned to an attorney's office? I'm only 19 years old. Why do you, why, why am I going to this? And I get there and he goes, sit down. And I sit down. I'm thinking, oh man. And he goes, you're doing a really good job with our son. Um, oh. what, what I want to tell you is you need to play a bigger game. And I thought, well, what does that look like? And he said, well, it looks like filing a 501c3 nonprofit. It looks like having a board of directors. It looks like going out and raising money and speaking and uh, raising the awareness of what you're helping people with, with suicide prevention, drug addictions, all those kind of things. I'm like, whoa, you do remember how old I am, right? I mean, yeah. <laughs> big top. and I said, well, one, a board of directors. I mean, who wants to put their their stamp of approval on some, you know, 18, 19 year old kid yeah. without being feeling like they're going to panic? And he says, well, if you have a an attorney, um, other professionals will feel safe about endorsing and I'll be the attorney on record. So he did. And um, he said, here's what I want you to call. I want you to find people who have 
um, maybe some fringe years that their, their parents are school teachers or maybe they're police officers or maybe they're psychologists, psychiatrists. And I want you to call them and I want you to say this. And I wrote it down and we had seven people and I called all seven and six of them said yes on the spot. And one said, um, let me get back to you when I get back in town. And they said yes. And so that was my board of directors, psychologist, psychiatrist, marriage, family therapist, surgeon, narcotics for LA County PD. Wow. Um, uh, you know, a, a published author, uh, vice principal of a s- public school. So we had some really good, and that became my education system. So uh, a few years later, I had a, um, a gentleman who was a professor at USC. And he said, Bob, your, your education in psychology and working with, with people is better than mine. And, uh, and he says, yours is more practical and tactical. And because of the um, power what, of the associations of the board or? Yeah, I mean, well, the, the board was so good. They, um, the psychologists, psychiatrists, marriage, family therapists, they said, look, we're going to, we're going to give away our services to anyone you bring to us, the kids or the parents. We're going to give the service away, but on one condition, you have to sit in on every session we give away. And you're going to learn through that, through that experience, but you're also going to know how to support what we're telling them when they're on the outside, when they're at school, when they're out in the, in the park or when they're doing those things. That was an amazing education. I, I could have never replaced that education with Harvard, Yale or anybody else teaching psychology. That was mm-hmm. a, a great experience. And so that really helped me kind of form the foundation for my, for my um, organization. And then beyond that, everything that I've done has been as a result of that. Wow. So do yeah. you, that's amazing. Do you remember asking yourself if it was worth it? Um, I didn't at the onset cause it was exciting, right? <laughs> you start your business and you're like, I'm excited. This is great. And then all of a sudden the bills start coming in and you're like, wait, I'm not making enough. Um, or you're, you're working later than you thought you were going to, I'm going to work part-time in my business. Well, part-time might be 12 hours a day, the first half of the day. Right? And you're a teenager. And yeah. I'm, yeah. I'm, I'm, 18, I'm 18, 19 years old. And, but yes, I asked myself, man, is this, what I think my biggest question was, is this sustainable? How long can I do this? If I don't make enough money in income for the nonprofit, how am I going to continue this? Um, if I've got an opportunity to go speak in Phoenix, well, I've got to find a way to get there. And I've got to find a way to pay the bill to get there and, and everything else. So it, those questions were the questions, is this sustainable? And then how long can I sustain this? So I think that the question was a little bit different, but ultimately it resulted in the same. Emma, is this something that I'm really going to do no matter what? And I think that's where I came down to. It became oxygen. And I think if we're entrepreneurs, we need to find what is like oxygen to us. And when we know what's like oxygen to us, um, we'll fight to the death because it's oxygen. And I think a lot of times we found our businesses based on passions. Look, I'm not discounting passions. I'm just saying when we get really clear about it, it's not just passion. It's about what we must do. Yeah. Um, I believe calling Trump's passion every day of the week. And when you have a calling and I don't mean a, a spiritual calling, but it certainly can be. Mine was July 19th, 1979. I was uh, 15 years old and I was at a camp and I remember feeling called that I needed to surrender my life to service of others. Now, I didn't know if that was going to be a pastor or a teacher or, a, you know, whatever it was, but I knew 
that my life was meant for that. And so everything I've done since that point has been based around that calling. Sometimes not lived out very well, but it was a calling nonetheless. And I believe God's callings are irrevocable. Yes. <laughs> There's lots of lessons in those not very well moments that we need, right? Amen. <laughs> and I learned more in those than I did in the other things, yeah. right? <laughs> exactly. Exactly. I love it. So when did that turn into everything next level or did that just continue from there? Well, from, from the nonprofit, um, it, it wasn't called everything next level, but really it was really about helping kids and helping parents form better relationships, form better, you know, communication skills, um, overcome the obstacles, the challenges in their life. Um, so when somebody says, man, I'm struggling with this, that means their next level is getting to the point where they're not struggling with that. So I was using the term even back then, but it wasn't my company name per se. Mm -hmm. And um, so I've always looked at it as how do we get to whatever we're considering our next level is? It might be overcoming this setback. It might be coming, overcoming a divorce, overcoming a financial setback, overcoming a failed relationship, uh, interpersonal, not even a, a relational, but a relationship where it's just like, you know, you just, you are too afraid to have the difficult conversation. And so therefore the, the relationship never flourished. So in Connectology, which is one of the courses I teach, I teach the three C's. It's one thing to contact people. The second thing is to connect, really to have a connection, to, to do what you need to find. You find the things that are going to connect you, an emotional connection. And then the third one, which is the one where most people fail miserably, and that's cultivate. So what, most people are really good about contacting, going out and collecting a business card. That's a contact. Sending an email, that's a contact. Uh, but then connecting, really, can they find something where they can really build a connection with the individual? And even if they're good at doing that, most of them fail miserably at the spending the time, energy, and resources to cultivate. And whether it was working with a kid, working with a parent, working with a business on, on entrepreneur, no matter what, we have to understand those three C's and we have to understand the sequence. Sequence does matter. If I give you seven random phone numbers and say, here, here's seven random numbers, call me. And the first time, if you call me on the first time, I'm going to give you a million dollars. Your odds are none of getting those numbers into proper. But if I said, here's my phone number, 949-542-6398, call me. You're going to call me the very first time because the sequence of those numbers matters. The sequence of how we build connections and relationships matters. And most people get that sequence out of, out of order. Hearing you say that, this is horrible, but hearing you say that makes me tired. <laughs> it does. It seems like a lot of work. It and, is. Um, but I'll tell you something that I just noticed, even from your language right now and just your energy, how much it shifted during that. And just all of the times that I've met you, you've always been very approachable. I've never mm -hmm. felt like I couldn't walk up to you or talk to you or and honestly, I think I've always felt like I've known you longer than I have. <laughs> <laughs> I'm glad. Thank you for saying that. <laughs> yes. That must be some of the magic of Bob, right? But um, yeah, I mean, do you have any like tips on the cultivating part? Because like you said, I mean, I think that's, that's where most people are dropping the ball. And that's really where that yeah. the work is. Yeah. Well, one, I want to acknowledge what you just said. I, I do appreciate that. I don't take it lightly. Um, I'm thankful that you've experienced me that way because um, sometimes... I don't always do that. I'm not perfect in that sense. So I'm glad that you've experienced that. Um, 
Yeah, I think the, the key thing is if we if we have to understand that it is a three-step process. It's not a cultivating. You can't just go straight to cultivating without the contact and without the connection. Um, but once you've got those down, then the cultivating is, it might take time. There's some people that are never going to trust you. They're never going to be vulnerable with you until they've spent enough time, right? Then there's some people that want the vulnerability. They want to see you do it first. And so you have to do that first. And then there's other people that are sitting there saying, look, I'm willing to play this game, but I want to know that you're going to play full out as well. I'm not going to play at a level 10 and you, you, you know, sandbag it. So I think we have to look at things that way uh, in those three, those three areas. For me, it's about, I'm going to lay my life out on the line. I'm going to, I'm going to do what I need to do to build the relationship with you from my perspective so that you can't say Bob didn't put it out there. You can say that to yourself, but you can't say that about me because I will have laid my life out, uh, my, myself out on the line. One of the things I'm a big believer is we have to learn, master, master, master the art of presence, mm. being present. People are not present. And I will tell you that by and large, the biggest reason we fail is the, the reason that, that we don't know how to be present with one another. Present is more than just sitting there and looking at somebody's eyes. Right. Present is more than just being quiet. Although both of those things need to be present, need to be there for presence. They, that's not what really makes presence. Presence means to have to understand the person as they're talking, asking better questions. I believe that the quality of your connection with anyone, including yourself, including God, yourself, and others, the quality of your connection will be determined by the quality of questions you ask. And those questions, are, are, people fail miserably with their questions. We were talking about in the green room. People think that if you walk up to somebody and say, hey, what do you do is a good question. I was asked yesterday at a one-on-one -on -one meeting, somebody said, what do you do? And I said, well, the first one thing I do is teach people to ask, to not ask, what do you do as an opening line of question? She was kind of offended by it. And I'm like, I don't give a rat's butt whether she's offended or not. Bottom line is I'm not going to start off a relationship on such a surface level um, diagnosis or prognosis that the relationship has no great um, legs to run on anyways. I'm not interested in a relationship like that. I'm also not interested in a transactional relationship. I want a relationship. So yeah. I know that going in and that brings me to criteria. Criteria is so foundational. Criteria for me says this. I have six criteria for everything in my life, personal, professional, relationship, business, finances, everything. And if somebody says, Bob, come on the podcast, I know that I've got to have at least these six criteria. Now, I don't tell what the six are, but I'll give you one of them. One of them is open-minded, right? My criteria for anyone in my life, they have to be open-minded. People say, why is open-minded so important? I'll tell you why it's important, because I don't do things the same way everybody else does. Natalie, you've probably experienced there's times that I'm not doing the same thing that everybody else does. Therefore, if if indeed you're not open-minded, you and I are just going to butt heads. You're going to be frustrated with me. I'm going to be frustrated. Why even start the dance? Don't start the music because we're not going to dance. So let's get that clear right off the bat. Getting your criteria is the business is starting a business worth it. What's your criteria? What's your expectations of it? What's your absolute? So criteria for people in my life, they're going to have to be open-minded. Now, 
once you know your criteria, you can formulate questions that help you identify whether they meet the criteria. And I can go to any networking event. I can go to a backyard barbecue. I can meet somebody in a Starbucks. It doesn't matter. I know what my criteria is. And I've already formulated questions to help flush out whether somebody meets that criteria or not so that we can we can cut to the chase really, really quick. So, for example, people say, well, Bob, what questions can I ask? Well, do you have a criteria first? Most people don't. They have an avatar. Avatar says this age range. Uh, this is how much money they want. I want them to have how much business they have. I'll give you an example. If somebody says if you say what's your what's a must for somebody to do business with you? Here's the, one of the number one questions I get, guys. Listen to this. They'll say they must have the money to pay for it. And I'll say, see, that's irrelevant to me. That's irrelevant to me. I will guarantee you that if I give them the right sense of urgency, they'll find the money for it. Right. Look, your kid's going to die if you don't do something. Guess what? They come up with the money. What happened? The sense of urgency, fear and next level pillar says fear and procrastination take a backseat to a greater sense of urgency. You will do things that you would never think you would do under this sense of an, a sense of urgency that really matters to you. So when I talk about criteria, what's the criteria? Then I say, now let's form, formulate a question. So people say, well, what's the question you might have? I say, well, I have three questions for every criteria I have. But for example, one question would be, uh, if I was just meeting Natalie, I might say, and I might cut it off at the past because I don't like to have to go down that path and say, uh, one of the things they do is teach people to not ask what do you do as, uh, as an opening line of question. So yeah. typically I'll cut them off in the past and say, hey, look, you know, I know we're just meeting, but do you mind if we just forego that one question that everyone always asks? Because really, I don't care about what you do. I care about who you are. Do you mind? And I've never had somebody go, no, no, I want to be asked the same question you ask everybody else. Never. <laughs> so I go, can I ask you a different question? They go, yeah. I said, okay, so here's okay, the question. Bob, hold on. Yeah. We're going to take a break and okay. then I want you to come back. I want people intentionally waiting for this question. Okay. I'm excited. <laughs> We're going to come right back, guys. Yeah, get excited. Yeah. As an entrepreneur, you have a vision of business that will change your life and the lives of others. Pillar 5 helps you set realistic goals and expectations. When you choose Pillar 5, you can be confident that a team of experts has your back at all times. Regardless of where you're at in your journey, we want to ensure that your business survives, grows, and flourishes. You'll know which step to take as you build your business in sustainable and successful. No more guessing where your business could be or where it's going. Join Pillar 5 today. Just Good Business segment. We love highlighting businesses that are doing something outside of themselves. It's not about them. It's about the people they serve. Mm -hmm. And so um, this was one that I found in Portland, Oregon. Their mission is to get people off the street. And really, I was talking to friends of mine about this Um when I watched one of the videos, and I highly recommend anyone going to joinpdx.org, check out that organization. Um, I watched the videos and they were talking about the lack of support, how like the family unit is under attack. 
And that's why people are ending up on the street because they have nowhere else to go, which shouldn't be the case. And so there's this, this group, you know, they founded this group and they'll go out there, they'll provide the things that they need. Um, they'll get them off the street. One guy, they put him in a hotel and then found him some transitional housing. He was dying of colon cancer, literally dying on the street of colon cancer. They found him, got him off the street so that he could at least get some rest. And then they found him housing in, in you know, a company that was um, supporting medically disabled you know, homeless people. And so it was just a beautiful story when I saw that. And it was just like, I wanted to feature them. You can donate to them. They accept money and goods. There's on their website is a list of things that, that they cannot take, that they are looking for. But it just, it really touched my heart because so many people are so close to that. And, and it's becoming more and more prevalent in, you know, so many cities. You, you'll see more and more houseless people and, and they just, they're looking for something and some compassion. And it, it's, it's difficult for people to see it. Um, it. They know that they're walking by it but they don't know what they can do. Well, here's a little thing that you can do. Just go and see if you have any of the things that meet those needs. Mm. Mm. Love that. Awesome. All right. So we're going to finish up your question, Bob. Yes. Okay. Okay. <laughs> so, so my question, if I'm trying to find out whether somebody's open-minded, one of the questions I might ask is, Hey, when was the last time you did something for the very first time? When was the last time you did something for the very first time? Now, they're going to answer a couple of different ways. One, they're going to say, I don't know. I'd have to think about that because I'm kind of a creature of habit. It's not a fail proof that they're not open-minded, but probably it's going to be a good indicator that they may not be as open-minded as I would like them to be. But the second aspect, they may say, oh, easy. I went to a soccer game. When did you go to a soccer game? Two weeks ago. How old are you? 50. And you just went to your very first soccer game. Yeah. So why did it take you that long to go to a soccer game, right? A good question begets a better question. You can't walk up and say, hey, Natalie, we just met. Would you like to have sex? I'm going to get slapped, right? But if you set up a question, if you set up the questions in the sequence, right, then things look different. The, con the conversation changes. And so if your husband comes up and says that to you, the answer is yes. Why? Because the sequence matters. Because there's a relationship currency. You have to have the right level of a relationship currency for the question you're asking. When you get no from a prospect or a client, chances are you don't have the level of a relationship currency that's required for the question you're asking. So going back to that question, if I ask what's the last, first thing you did for the last time or the last thing you did for the very first time, and they say, well, I don't know. Or they say, well, I went to a soccer game. Now it opens the door for me. How old are you? 50 years. Why did you just now go to a soccer game? See, if I just walked down and said, hey, why did you just start going to a soccer game? They'd be like, who are you and why are you asking that? Sequence matters, folks. And so when I ask that question, they'll go, oh, um, because a friend of mine from high school, he's always he's been into soccer and he's been bugging me for years to go. And finally, I said, OK. So did you enjoy it? What did you enjoy most about it? I ah, man, I love the energy of it. It was just so great. All the people bouncing around and just, it was exciting. The music, I mean, it was, the fans are rabid fans. Well, guess what? I've learned more about them and how to deal with them, how to present things to them, ideas or businesses or products by that question better than I ever would have if I just said, what do you do? I'm a plumber.
That's it. Nothing, nothing to go with. Because now I learned one relationships matter to him. Why? How do I know that? Because the person that invited him had been inviting him for years. I also knew that he could, his mind could be changed. He didn't go the first hundred times he was invited. He went after that. Why? So his mind can change. Three, what does he like? He likes excitement. He likes, he likes energy. So now if I'm going to present to him or if I'm going to talk to him or if I'm going to offer anything to him, even an opportunity to go to something with me, I'm going to make sure that it encapsulates those features and benefits so that the answer, his answer is yes, more often than no. Folks, your, your questions, if you don't understand the quality of your questions, drive the connection that you have. It is brutal. It is brutal to be in a relationship where you don't have a criteria and that you don't have, you haven't answered the questions correctly and, or ask, ask the questions direct, quite correctly. So those are some things that I am, criteria matters more to me than anything else. You can tell me anything else. Criteria is going my criteria are all non-negotiable. All six of them are non-negotiable. means you could have five, but if you don't have all six, it's a no-go. All six are non-negotiable. Two, they're, they're characteristics and behaviors, not avatars. Characteristics and behaviors. And so when we get really clear on that, somebody says, hey, Bob, do you want to come to this event? I know what my criteria is. And I go, hmm, I can ask a question and see if that, that event meets my criteria. And if it doesn't, then it's a hard, it's a hard no. Yeah. No, no, thank you. I appreciate it, but no. Most of us, get we vacillate because we don't know what our criteria really is. And so we say yes to things we shouldn't, including people. And we say no to things that we should say yes to. Yeah, that's valid. That yeah. was going to be my next question for you. So I love it that you elaborated because I was like, you, I know you know so many people. There's only so much Bob to go around, <laughs> you know. So I was like, how do you do that? But that makes perfect sense. Well, that, that, bring, that brings me to the next one, and that's boundaries. Boundaries are good for business. They're good for life but they're good for business as well. And so I'm a big one on having really clear cut boundaries. It makes it easy to say yes and easy to say no. Um, really easy. And so uh, I always, there's, there's two things that I stress when it talks about boundaries. I'm always looking, is this, I would rather do a hundred things out of desire or one thing out of desire than a hundred things out of obligation. Mm -hmm. So I'm always looking at desire. What's the desire here? The desire is I want to do this. If you start, if you say yes to something and then you're going, man, I really am dreading it. You probably did it out of obligation. Mm -hmm. And so change that for that's a boundary for yourself. Make sure that you're saying yes to things that are really a desire of yours, not an obligation. And then really understanding those boundaries. Boundaries do no good if you're not going to reinforce them, which means if you're not going to affirm them. When a kid comes, a little kid comes up to you and says, mommy, can I have a cookie? And you say, no, mommy, can I have a cookie? No, mommy, can I have a cookie? And at the fifth or sixth or a hundredth time you go, yes, you just train them that the magic number is X. And so when we look at that for ourselves, the boundary has to be hard and fast. And then we have to be able to make sure that we're willing to defend that boundary Otherwise, there was no no reason to establish it to begin with. Okay, so I lost signal for a little bit. Okay. But prior to that, I was so glad you started talking about that, and especially as it relates to business, because a lot of people 
will not set those boundaries. And that's part of the challenge that they run into when things don't work right. I have gone or I'll set a boundary and then I'll just go ahead and push that. I'll go ahead and accept this client at less than the rate that I should. I'll go ahead. And it's just like, well, yeah, no wonder you're not making money in your business. Or you're miserable. Yeah. Yeah. Or you're miserable because you have just established to everyone there's not as much value in this. And once you start that process, it's hard to keep up. And, you know, I've seen it happen so many times and we're all tempted, but it's just like, no, if you have a plan, if you have a vision, if you have, you know, all of these goals set and boundaries as well, then, and sequence. And uh, there's so many things you've said that just make yeah. so much yeah. sense for business owners. It's just like all of these things matter yeah. when you're building a business, yeah. um, when you're talking about your life and your so much, I'm so thankful that mm-hmm. you, you mentioned everything that you mentioned, mm-hmm. because when you're questioning, is it worth it? Yes. But keep in mind that these things matter. Yeah. It's worth it if you do it correctly. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And so like when you talk about boundaries, here's the thing. The number one question is, well, why do why do we not adhere those boundaries? Why do we, we set a boundary and we don't hold to it or we don't reaffirm it? We don't. Why? Here's why. One, we didn't make a boundary that was non-negotiable. We made it negotiable. If it's non-negotiable, you don't you won't do that. But the most important, the reason why we would make it non-negotiable or why we would make it negotiable when we think it should be non-negotiable is because we're afraid that we're going to hurt somebody's feelings by telling them no. But guess what? When your kids are running out in the street when they're little, how how often do you stop them? How often do you tell them no? How often do you grab their hand? How often do you swat their little butt or whatever it is that you're going to do? How often? Every time. When do you stop? Never. Every time they run down the street, you're going to do that. Why? Because it matters, right? When we look at our boundaries, here's the number one thing I I can say. People don't adhere to their boundaries because they are more concerned about hurting someone and they don't understand that they, in, in doing so, they're helping someone. If you knew that every time you did that, you were depositing $1,000 into somebody's life. Every time you adhered to your boundary, you were depositing $1,000 into their bank account. Guess what? You didn't have any problem doing it anymore because you know you're giving them. What we do is we think that we're taking from someone, and so we don't approach that prospect because, oh, we're hurting. We're taking some. Boundaries are the same way. We, we don't adhere to the boundary because we're afraid uh, that, might, that might hurt their feelings. I'm willing to hurt your feelings. I'm willing to hurt your feelings over and over and over again if it's going to get you the results you want. My coaching clients, I tell them first and foremost, guys, you are going to hate me as a coach. You're going to hate me as a person. You're going to call me all kinds of names, but I'm okay with that. I wanted to win the free 30 minutes. I'm like, <laughs> I'll tell you right now, you're going to hate me. For the, but guess what? When you get the results you want, you will love me forever. Right. You'll hate me for a short period of time. You will love me forever when you get the results you want. So I'm a big one that believes that the boundaries are going to help me help someone get the results that they want. So somebody says, hey, Bob, can I, do, can I hire you to coach me on Wednesday? No, my coaching's Monday and Tuesday. Well, but I'm not available Monday and Tuesday. Well, when you are, let me know. Yeah. <laughs> well, no, you understand. I really want to hire you as a coach. I'm paying the $2,500 for four hours. Let me just hire you Monday or Tuesday. 
and not all day. Here's the, here's the four hours that I work. <laughs> and they're like, that doesn't make sense. It does if you're me. Okay, I don't want to resent you for being my client. And yeah. I don't want to resent my business for being my business. So I make sure that my boundaries are in place so that I get the business that I want by having boundaries that make sure that my business operates the way I want it to rather than the way somebody else acts, asks me to do it. So good. Yeah. So much wisdom in yeah. what you're saying. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. I love well, it. Well, it makes me think when you're first starting out as an entrepreneur, you know, you feel like you just have to hustle all the time or you know, take the first offer that comes away. I mean, I, I would always use the analogy. I feel like a little puppy that's like peeing on her leg when I first got into sales. It's like someone wants to buy something, someone wants to buy, you know? Yeah, yeah. And now, but it's taken me a long time to get there to, uh, I guess, set boundaries or raise my standards, I guess, with yeah. to um, where I'm going to spend my time. The nice thing is once you set those boundaries, you, you are going to eliminate the people that aren't serious or the people that won't respect you anyways. So it's going to be a miserable relationship, but also you're going to make room. You're going to make space for those people that are ready to do exactly what you tell them to do. Yeah. Whether it's make I, the right investment or what, whatever it is. Love it. I cannot believe that almost an hour has passed. Mm -hmm. It's been so amazing. We've got to keep this thing going. We yeah. do have boundaries. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Good. Good for you. We're going to respect so, your so time. email, and if anyone wants to set up a, a, a strategy call and they just want to say, hey, here's where I'm at, here's where I want to go, let's piece some things together, more than happy to do that. Um, they can send an email to four, the number four, next level at gmail.com, and, uh, and we'll set up a time. I've got a Calendly. I can set it up. We'll send the send the Calendly, and you can uh, you can pick a time, and we'll just spend you know twenty minutes or so, and kind of go where are you at, where do you want to go, and let's put together a strategy to get there. That sounds amazing. Awesome. Thanks so much, Bob. Thank you. Yeah, after I talk about how warm and fuzzy he is, <laughs> <You're gonna hate> <laughs> <laughs> yes. Thank you, Bob, so much for your wisdom tonight and spending time with us. Thank you for the time. I appreciate it. Thank you. All right, oh, Natalie, God. guess what time it is? It's your boy, Fitzroy. <laughs> All right. I'm ready. I'm ready. <laughs> I have a website that's going to help you. The website is 11 Labs. If the language you'd like to do a video in isn't your first language, or you wouldn't describe your voice as a silky smooth baritone similar to my own, I'll have you know, my mother agreed. Then 11 Lab. <laughs> its speech software AI allows you to type in a script and have one of many different voices of your choosing create an audio file that you can use in your videos in English, Spanish, German, French, and many other languages. One today is worth two tomorrow. And I'm Schattenwachsen. Los conrones de Fitzroy's voice is silky smooth. Eleven Labs states that it will always be free to use, but you can upgrade to a paid plan for more benefits. And there you have it. Check out the website and uh, don't get beat up out there. <laughs>
He is my favorite. <laughs> <laughs> I have just every time and I, you know, I keep sending you messages and I know I, I'm like a huge fan girl of Fitzroy because every I love technology, one. <laughs> but just the way that he puts these together, it just cracks me up every time when he tells us, you know, don't get beat up out there. But yeah, um, that's cool. I love that one. These last few have been super helpful. If you are self-employed or you're a content creator, that's your business. These last three weeks, I would suggest that you go and check out these products that he is showcasing because it's going to save you so much time, so much money. Yes. yes. Harder, not harder. Yeah, yeah. And it's time for some money talk, right? Money talk. Mine's coming along. All right. And my, I was going to try the teleprompter tonight. So I was trying to be more prepared. I feel a little scripted. So bear with me. And if we hate it, we're going to find out tonight, right? So <laughs> tonight's money, money minute. Money is a wonderful thing, but being wealthy is not just about having money. Thinking that way is a common myth. There are many people who have made a lot of money but aren't happy. That is because they are not living out their purpose. And because of it, their lives lack meaning and they feel unfulfilled. We just spent the last hour talking to Bob about that, right? I was like, we're still on the same page. Life has more meaning when we have goals. Goals help us move towards something that matters to us. So when those goals also support a cause or idea that is greater than we are, our actions become even more impactful. True wealth comes when you have a great quality of life, you are serving and supporting others, and you are living out your purpose. Now, some people have a very clear vision and purpose for their lives, while others, it's not quite so clear. So if you're still trying to figure it out, I have three questions for you to ask yourself. They're actually kind of similar to Bob's. The first one is, what are your values? Similar to Bob's, what are your boundaries, right? What are your values? Our values help us make decisions that are in line with who we are at our core. Living by our values helps us feel more aligned in our life and helps us to make decisions more quickly, right? Number two, what are your natural gifts and talents? These are the things that come easy to us. When we're doing them, we forget all about time. These gifts are key because only you can do them in your way. It doesn't feel like work. You're following your bliss. It's fun. And you are very attractive while doing it. Number three, and what is the challenge you care about that is bigger than you? When we look for opportunities to use our gifts in a way with, that aligns with what we most value, it directs us to our purpose and gives us far greater meaning in our life. So follow this recipe and soon, a light, soon enough, you'll be living a life that you love. The challenge, I think, for all of us, and I'm going to speak for myself, is taking the time to do more of what we love. So there's your money tip. Spend your time doing more of what you love. Ta -da. <laughs> <laughs> I feel like you're vying for that top position um, because I was talking about Fitzroy, so you had to step up your game. <laughs> I love it. I think you should. And and I've talked to so many business owners, and it's just like when I see them so overwhelmed. And you know, Bob gave us you know great tip there. Um, unrealized expectations or um, you know unfulfilled expectations. You, you do start to feel overwhelmed. And so I see that and it's just like, you should love this. It's, it yeah, is hard, yeah. but you should love it. This is, this is, you've got this vision for this amazing company. You should enjoy that process of building it, but you do need money 
sometimes to build businesses. I feel like all the time to build businesses. And we do have some grants that we want to talk to you guys about tonight. So Carlton, if you can show us the money. Okay, so the first grant that we're going to talk about tonight is eBay. So it's the up and running grants, $10,000 each. 50 small businesses are going to get $10,000 each. Plus they're going to, um, I think this is one of the ones, oh yeah, cash technology and training. So go to the website. You can just Google it eBay up and running grants and you're going to find it. Go to that website. There are more grants that we want to talk about, but they went away and now we're going to bring up the next one. Progressive in conjunction with Hello Alice, which I know we featured last season. Hello Alice has partnered with Progressive for the Progressive Driving Small Business Forward Fund program. So $25,000 each going toward a vehicle. So you have to have a business where you have a demonstrated need for a vehicle and Progressive will put $25,000 toward that vehicle to help you drive your business forward. The next grant that we have is a secret until he brings it up on the screen because there are two more. Okay, this is specifically for the city of Argyle, Texas. So this is hyper local. Um, they are giving away grants up to $25,000 and it's really based on the amount of income that you uh, that your business is generating on an annual basis. So $5,000, and $25,000, but they've got $250,000 earmarked for businesses in the city of Argyle. So if you happen to be in Argyle or know someone who was impacted by COVID that lives in that city, tell them about this grant. The last grant that we're gonna talk about is not actually free money. We like talking about free money. It does cost $19 for the application fee, but um, you get they give away $500 monthly, I wanna say, and then, um, yeah, so $500 monthly. It's the Freed Fellowship. If you are one of the monthly recipients at the end of the year, you um, could possibly get $2,500. They also have programs in there that support business owners. So it's well worth checking out, but it does cost $19 to apply. The other ones, there was no application fee. So there are your grants for the week. Awesome. We love money. Money, money, money. <laughs> <laughs> and we love what money can do for Natalie, it's time to say goodbye. It's time to say goodbye. Do you want to go with over takeaways real fast? Sure. What was your okay, biggest? Well, my takeaway was, or you want to tell me yours? Go ahead. Okay, so mine was boundaries. I loved when he brought that up. I mean, there were so many points that he said that that led up to that, but the boundaries, setting those, even to the point of where he's saying, "Hey, two days a week, from this hour to this hour, that's when I'm available." This is my business, but it made me think about um, just accepting less than what you are worth. It, it, it is really, you know, there are boundaries that need to be considered all around. So that was my favorite thing. Set them for your business, set them for your life, and make sure you adhere to them. Mine was, I thought it was so strategic, although it's, I know it's not supposed to be. <laughs> 
but mine was sequence. I, I'm going to actually research that more because I feel like you can lead anybody to anything if you understand sequence. Carlton, yeah. too. <laughs> yes. I mean, it was almost like, and it reminds of Killer Five. Yeah, it was like, um, that was one of my questions for Bob. Honestly, I'm sure for him now, it's a very natural thing. He's just having conversations, people leading people, but it almost makes me feel a little bit um, manipulative. <laughs> but I guess if you're leading him towards the right thing, right? So anyway. Right. <laughs> Use your power for good, Natalie. Use your power, Use for, your good. power yes. for good. Yeah. Yeah. I love that. And it does align perfectly with Pillar 5. So I know that's why Carlton loves it. Um, yeah, so I, there were so many things that he said. The un, unfulfilled, unrealized expectations leading to all of these behaviors and, and feelings that you don't want to carry with you. And it's unnecessary if you just really set the criteria, understand more of what you're looking for, build your business around that. Like you were talking about values. Um, there's so many things, so many things that we could piece together that made the show. So yeah, love it. Awesome. Carlton um, said your intro to close so we can capture it. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Carlton. Is starting a business worth it? According to research, 24 million Americans want to become their own boss. The data reveals people anticipate a better work-life balance. They believe they will be healthier and less stressed. They expect to earn more money and have more career certainty. Starting a business is hard work, requires a lot of determination, and most time only pays off long-term. Stay tuned as we talk about, is starting a business worth it? I love it. And I'm yes, like, it is. Right into the video. <laughs> <laughs> All right, we'll be back next week with Angie Giltner. Yes, yeah, so we are talking about will starting, will starting a, business a business make me make rich. me rich. All right, we'll see you then. Have a great week, everybody. Our goal is simple to help you achieve the dream and vision you first had when you thought about starting a business. We're here to make growing your business less complicated. There are building blocks to build a sustainable business. We promise to seek them out and address them all. The better your business show starts now.